Have no fear of missing out. The show's about FOMO. Your host is Brian Franzo. Tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, iSocial Fans. Welcome back to another episode of the FOMO Fans Podcast. My name is Brian Fanzo, better known as iSocial Fans. And you guys are in for a treat today. I know it's been a couple weeks um, since I've been on the show and I was pumping out every single week of the year. And then all of a sudden conference season started to kick in a little full gear and I uh, kind of slacked a little bit, but I promise it was well worth the wait as you don't get to stuck just listening to me. I have my good friend and digital twin with me, Aaron, who I will intro in a second. Um, but for those that are listening, we're going to talk um, really kind of the state of a lot of things that's happening in our world. Uh, coronavirus, of course, is impacting everyone around the world. Um, there's deaths and people that are getting sick and people getting quarantined. So I just want to start off by you know, kind of preferencing the fact that you know, our thoughts and prayers go to, to those that are, are really having to deal with a lot of that. Um, the theme of this podcast episode is going to have to do with some of the impacts on that on the business side. But um, we, we understand that you know, business is a small part of life and um, health, happiness, and family definitely come first. And for us, there's an element of, you know, how do we take this? And, you know, those that listen to this show know this, you know, for me, it's how do we take, you know, either force change, change that, you know, is in front of us or even new opportunities or opportunities and, and find ways to not only learn from it, but excel. And I, and I believe that's kind of where we're at. So um, we're going to jump into it. I'm, I'm with Erin King, the author of Digital Persuasion. She is a good friend, my digital twin. She also happens to be a full-time speaker, uh, running an agency that works with a lot of events as well. And, and we've been you know, kind of talking since the, the, the early morning on really the impact to our day world, but also in this like weird excitement of being pushed into a new revenue stream, a new opportunity to help people. And... As we like, you know, I'm digital empathy, you're digital persuasion. We're kind of joining voices here to kind of discuss where we think the exciting opportunities land, what we think needs to happen in this space. But before that, Aaron, thanks for joining me on the third attempt to go live and record this, uh, this podcast. For sure, Brian. When I got your text this morning, we just got the wheels turning and we have been talking about this with each other all morning, all day, really. So it's about time that we push the damn button for time number three and share some of our thoughts with the world. And to your point, there's a lot going on right now with people uh, being nervous and being upset, which is completely understandable and completely normal. And I just, I hope that we can over the next, you know, 30 minutes or so offer a different perspective and maybe offer some encouragement and some optimism and, and some creative ways to maybe think a little bit differently about what is a really challenging time for, for many. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, for those that are listening, this is less of an interview, more of a discussion. Um, anytime that Aaron and I hang out last time we hang out, it was hours upon hours of nonstop talking and having fun. <laughs> we ended up sitting, watching the sun, uh, the sunset over there, over the water. And, uh, and uh, Aaron's much more of a planner uh, than I am. And so we work well together in that sense. Uh, and I think, you know, for where we want to start this out on, you know, from the fact, you know, the coronavirus, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of people that on social media uh, and even in the news, I was I was listening uh, to CNN on the satellite radio uh, yesterday, and the they spent an entire segment blaming social media for mm -hmm. causing the the um, maybe over 
worriness or a little bit extra concern, maybe the hype, you know, around the, uh, the virus while at the same time we're figuring it out. And they kept referring back to previous, uh, you know, things that had gone on that are very similar with um, different, you know, impact across the world. Yeah. And I always say like, you know, Social media can't fix stupid. Social media can't stop bad people from doing bad things. And it sure as heck isn't making the virus happen. But there is an element of you know, educating and how we should approach change. And I always mm-hmm. say the worst thing about change is if it's forced upon you. And guess what? It's being forced upon us. And so we have yes. two options. We can run around like chickens with their heads cut off and unsure what to do. We can try to like kind of mimic exactly what we do normally in just kind of like digital world and kind of put a Band-Aid on it. Or we can leverage this as an exciting new opportunity to reset expectations, take on new opportunities. And I I firmly believe, and I know, Aaron, you're in the same spot as I am, that this will be looking back a a great turning spot for events, the speaking industry as a whole, but we have to get there. And so I'm curious from your standpoint, you know, we have some of the live viewers that are on Facebook. We, of course, are recording this for the podcast. Aaron, set the the stage for you. I, I, you know, there, yeah. we're both, we both have had some events canceled. Um, we've talked yeah. to our bureaus. We've talked to our speaker agents. We've talked to our events, the events that we work with. And um, yeah. you know, some interesting dialogues. Some people a little bit more concerned than others. Um, but you know, there's definitely things are happening. We, we, yeah. We're having about 15, 20 major events canceled a day at the moment. Uh, where, yeah. where are you at with all of this? Well, there's a lot of cancellations happening, a lot of worry, a lot of fear. And at the end of the day, whether you are a speaker or a meeting planner or a marketer, you have to do you. You have to trust your feelings and trust your gut and, you know, tune out the media a little bit and make your own decisions, make your own choices. And don't let anyone bully you or judge you if what you are thinking or doing is not jiving with what they're thinking or doing. Because it's a it's a crazy scattered pond right now and we're not all going to be swimming in the same direction. So that's first and foremost is do you. This is a, a scary, crazy time. And and um, I think what's what's interesting is being a part of the events industry, both of us, I mean, my agency ran social media for, we did Mobile World Congress with Visa, we did the Oscars and Fashion Week, and my biggest partner for 10 years was Freeman, which is one of the largest event production companies in the world. So we, my clients have been meeting planners my entire life, which is how I got into the speaking business, basically. And just like you, we've been backstage, we've been on the planner side as a partner, we've been on stage as the talent, we've worked with the marketing teams before, during, and after these events. So we really have a 360 view of these experiences. And so, so I think what's interesting is that as speakers and as meeting planners, these events, we have these conferences and conventions to create innovation. We have them to create change. And so on stage, we are trying to convince all these people to make big changes. As event planners, they are creating themes like inspire, innovate, elevate, right? So what's interesting now, the irony of this, is that now it's time for both meeting planners and speakers and marketers to now walk the walk. We have been coaches for so long, and now it's time to be players. And so... And I I like that you set that up. And I think one of the things that we have to be kind of boldly put out there is that there's a reason that digital events, webinars have not replaced offline events because you can't replace what happens offline. It's just, it's, it's, it's impossible. And I I think that's like setting the standard. Now the the, the thing about it has been both of us as speakers, and I think it's partially because we both have lived in that event space. You know, my, my, my four full-time clients at the moment are all four events that I get to work with, you know, um, year round on retainer. And and it's part, you know, it's part, you know, events, part content, part speaker, but there's also been this, you know, there's an idea like, you know, a webinar without video, like that's, you know, there's a lot of these like disconnects, but there's also this idea that 
if you just take a camera and point it at what we do offline and have everybody tune in, okay, yeah. well, that's what, and we know that doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's a guarantee. And so one of the things that's interesting about both of us is we have digital components in our presentations and like before and after the event for every client of ours, right? Mm-hmm. You, you do a segue with a Q and a on, uh, afterwards on Instagram live, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're segment. So we both, you know, I, part of like, I always get called like, like Brian, you look like the mascot of every event that hires you because I do, you know, content before content during content after. And I, I've always looked at it as this amazing opportunity to educate the masses. And I will say as a speaker, part of the concern for me or what, that I would always hear and this was the same thing why speakers never put their like their entire keynote on YouTube is they would sure. say, I don't want to, I don't want people to just say, oh, I'm just going to watch it rather than come in and experience it. And I right. think as speakers, we're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to start booking virtual events because then they're not going to, not going to book me yeah. for an offline event. And I think the truth about that is neither one's replacing the other, but 100%. It kind of reminds me of when we first started in the social media world and marketers and brands were trying to take what was working in print and they were just taking their print brochures, their print signage, and they were just putting brochures on glass and then just pushing it out on Facebook and pushing it out on Twitter and not realizing that we're going from this like one-way broadcast static thing to a two-way living, breathing dialogue. And so in a similar way, what works offline does not work online. There's, first of all, the reason people go to events is not just for the content, but it's to see people and to turn those handshakes into hugs and fist bumps and to feel people's vibe and to grab drinks and get to know people on a personal level. And there's so much that can net be replaced by, by digital. And, you know, I always say in my keynote that we are so much less persuasive on digital than we are face to face. And so it's never going to replace it. But while we're in this time out or whatever it is with this coronavirus, the, the question is, okay, we can't control so many aspects of the cancellations. We can't control that people are trying to just throw up a keynote on a Zoom and call it a day. But what we can't control is there's all kinds of opportunities as speakers, as meeting planners, as brand marketers to think a little bit more creatively around how we're delivering these messages to the world. And the way I look at it is that it's time for all of us to think how we can reinvent what a venue looks like. And a lot of the dialogue that I'm hearing on social and on email from like meetings net, meetings planner, event marketer, a lot of our groups that we're in together is there's a lot of conversation around functionality. So which platform are you using? Which, which online platform? How are you doing your email and your funnel and the clicking and the thing and all the tech? And let's be real. The tech is so important and so complicated. And we have spent an hour today because there was a glitch in the matrix and 500 things went wrong just ironically before this live. So we're not saying it's not a huge thing to deal with. Yes, the technology and its functionality is important. Even more so, the conversation that I think is exciting to have is evolving from functionality talk to formatting talk. I mean, we essentially have a blank slate to completely recreate what it means to connect with audiences because of social and digital. I mean, we didn't, webinars are boring. Online courses are boring. People multitask because the psychology of the screen is just like all of us. We get behind a screen and what is our behavior? We are used to being able to swipe and tap. And if the Netflix review is boring, we're over it. And if the story is boring, we're over it. And so whenever now we're behind screens, we're used to being drivers. The psychology behind the screen is that we are driving. Now, when you're in an arena, you're at, you know, at March Madness or you're watching 
football or you're, you're at Broadway, you're in an arena, you're in a, a theater, the social behavior expectation is a little bit different. Now you're more of a passive receiver. You're being polite. There's social norms. There's energy, respect, all the things. You're a captive audience. And so when you take what works in that environment, to your point, and try to make it work in the exact same format in a very different, more fragmented, highly competitive environment, it's not going to work. So what's cool about that, instead of panicking and being like, oh my God, should I just cut my keynote price in half and throw it on a webinar and a Zoom? Well, I think that's really devaluing what you're doing. I think what would be a more interesting conversation for us to have as brand marketers, speakers, meeting planners is I have all these people that are going to tune in and give me an opportunity to move them to think and feel and act differently. What am I going to do with it? Am I just going to push the button and do my thing? Or is there a way to make it more interesting? And you and I had so many fun ideas this morning. We were talking about sports center formats and talking about bringing in influencers and shortening formats and giveaways and sponsors and, and creating a real experience where someone doesn't want to look away because they're afraid of what they might miss. And so, I mean, I don't know what you think about that, but I think there's a real opportunity for planners, speakers, and even for attendees to maybe get together and engage and learn in ways we haven't even really thought about yet. Which I think is that that's the opportunity, right? And I think part of the reason we haven't thought about it is I, you know, we both love and respect the, the event industry and it is grind, 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 execute, maybe two days off and you're planning for the next year. You probably already started planning even before that one. So there is this like grind where, hey, you're supposed to innovate, you're supposed to iterate, but you're also supposed to like increase the size of your event and you're supposed to, you know, not have the same speakers every year. And like, so there's like this constant grind and now we're getting kind of this like slight pause button. And the question becomes, and this is a big mistake I see in time inside of organizations all the time. Do you try to have technology solve the people problem of, Hey, people don't have the captured attention, the, the same, uh, you know, it, you know, engagement when they're viewing through yeah. a device or do you like, like you said, present this in new ways. And I think the, the exciting part of this, this is like Aaron and I aren't saying that we have the answers, but we are saying that we are going to be willing to throw a bunch of different things in different ways to try to facilitate a new experience. And I think yeah. that is super exciting because yeah. I always say that people that I can, like, I, I love to feel part of the community when I go to an event, right? I always say the, the hugs are stronger. The people there, they're not like, who is this person? They're like, I'm excited to see what happens. And yeah. we also live in a world where you could go to YouTube University and pretty much figure out anything. I mean, literally right. anything in the world you can type into Google so, yeah. or into YouTube or Google, I guess. So I think when we think about that, we have to stop like using all these other things as crutches yeah. and looking at and say, man, how can we reinvent this? How can we, you know, we, we, I hear all the time, how do I reach this audience that has never gone to my event? Well, now is the chance to ask them, yeah. try to present things their way, and then and try things out. And I think you, you said some things that were interesting. You know, in our, our call, we had like three and a half hours, and we attacked it from all different angles, from like yeah. understanding this new work-from-home employee and how they might have new time and you know, productivity to figure out how to consume content. And You're new having, rules. You know, speakers new etiquette and whole, around that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the etiquette around that and understanding – you know, because part, part of that thing with the, the digital consumer is we want things where we want it, when we want it, how we want it, and we want to consume it our own way. Right. Well, in an event, more often than not, it's something that, hey, I'm going to this track, I'm going to this talk, they decided it for me, right? And so yeah. I think part of this, as we look at some of the opportunities, I think a lot of people, like you said, are either starting with a platform or they're asking themselves, how can I mirror what happens offline? Right. And it's not about mirroring what happens offline. It's about establishing that same connection 
and that same level of emotional connection, that, yes. uh, that understanding. And so I think it's really interesting, the two of us, right? Your digital persuasion from, and I think it's so important in this, in this digital world. I think uh, I can tell you, I was at Social Media Marketing World this, uh, this past week. And one of my, my, my things that hurt me a lot is, uh, you know, creators, YouTubers, there's lots of great creators that are amazing at their craft. I could not do what they do to save my life. But they are then oftentimes put on stages and expected to be able to deliver the same medium, the same level of intensity. And that not often happens, right? Someone's a great YouTuber. It could be for a whole number of uh, you know, things, especially because the fact they have a controlled environment. They decide how yeah. everything's going versus online. And so I also think that is an interesting place to look at this as not only do we have to think about the content and the experience, but how do we enable speakers that are, you know, that are great on stages right. to be able to deliver really well in a digital world. Because yep. as we both know, this is not the same, not even the same mm -mm. You know, mindset or approach comes to being great on digital. Right. But it's better than nothing. And at least we have it, right? Sure. So there's, there's lots to be grateful for there. And I thought what was interesting, Brian, about our conversation this morning was when we were working backwards from what makes live events so much better than webinars and online keynotes. And what we came to was the fact that there is an entertainment value and an emotional value that does not translate well so far on digital. So we talked about things like the fact that when you start a conference, there's usually a singer or a marching band or entertainment or a sick DJ and the energy goes up. We bring, there's music. Um, when, you're, when you're on stage, you're not just talking at the audience if you're a good speaker. You're in a two-way dialogue. They're, they're talking back to you with their applause and their head nods and their emotions. And so how can we take those elements that make live events so great and figure out a way maybe isn't as good but closer to making that experience happen online. So some of the things we talked about was like, you know, can we have maybe something where during the bio breaks you bring in live bands and you're like live streaming a band um, or a Spotify playlist or something fun like that. You know, if you have if you have um, a, a someone a speaker. Maybe they don't a 90-minute keynote and a Q&A at the end. Maybe they do a 10-minute mini super high-level one digestible nugget, and we bring up audience members on a split screen and work them in earlier. Or we bring in CEOs or key opinion leaders or the influencers inside the organization to weigh in and say, okay, Brian, you just shared this great idea. It kind of reminds me, guys, remember last Q3 when this happened? What we could have done, so it can help make it like a custom back-and-forth experience. The other thing, too, is, when we think about these events, when you're a keynote speaker on a main stage, oftentimes you will do, you know, a 10 or 15 minute bit and then everyone will go into the breakout room that makes sense for them. They'll, they'll kind of like your phrase, choose your own adventure. They'll find the tract that best solves the pain point that they are dealing with. Well, what if there was something where you had different attendees where maybe four or five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten attendees all were splitting out into various Zoom breakout rooms and they all go right. away and they create their insights and come back together. Like there's all of these different ways to play with the format to get more creative to make these experiences a lot more fun for the attendees, a lot more effective for the meeting planners. And by the way, make us as speakers have to think a little bit harder about how we can bring performance so that it comes to the screen that our fees are worth it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and I love some of the live comments that we're getting here. Like Tim uh, Crawford, my good friend, who is a COI, C, COI, CIO, <laughs> CIO advisor. And I've been to... I've probably been at 50 events with Tim. And he said, you know, in his opinion, he thinks there's too much focus on event mechanics 
uh, and less on the value for the audience. Different people learn differently. Tara was talking about how many royalty-free um, music playlists exist on Spotify that we can tap into. And I, you know, and you know, even uh, there's you know the comment on from Adam on there's a difference between the personality on radio versus the personality on video versus the personality on on stage. And I think there's even a, there's another piece here where I always say limitations inspire creativity. One of the things that I think is, is worrisome for, I think, of an event manager is when there are no limitations, right? Like, it's if you give someone, like, a white wall to draw on, they're, like, they stand there and you know, stare at it for hours, yeah. right? But if you put, like, a square around it, put, you know, a matrix and put four things in the corner, all of a sudden you kick things off. And so I think there, it is an important idea here to start from the audience perspective, not only on, you know, like the, the whole idea that today's you know, audience member has an eight second attention span is not true. We will binge right. watch TV all the time, but here is the truth. We have no time for crappy content and we have more choices at our disposal to consume information. And so the question becomes, do we just keep throwing it out there or do we get creative? I love your, the, the, the ideas of integrating entertainment. Also the fact where, let's face it, the reason that you have an hour session a lot of times is because you're not going to bring up like 15 people in a row because like, in person that just doesn't make sense. Well, right. 15 people splitting up across like a couple hours online is just the way it works, right? Like I've been on plenty of podcasts where they block off an hour and a half and I'm only on the podcast for 15 minutes. I do three mm -hmm. five-minute segments throughout the podcast. And I think um, I'll give a shout out to Jay Acunzo. Uh, I've been working with Jay for my new podcast uh, that will be uh, kind of teasing out very soon. And one of the things with a new podcast that he reminded me a lot is that you, know, you have to make sure you thread the hypothesis of your show throughout every segment that you are delivering so that it is, it is intertwined within what you are doing. And I think in the digital space, because we have endless opportunities, sometimes we have the tendency to just say, okay, well, everyone can speak because everyone can do a digital and we're going to do a little bit of everything. And I think what you said before and what we've been talking about earlier, this idea of providing different ways to consume things and giving these different options is beyond exciting because I don't know about you, but I get shipped books. I, I, our good friend, Grant, uh, Grant Baldwin, he sent uh, his new book just came in. Hey, look at that. Both. <laughs> wow, Grant. You I just got right like the here. double promo. We both we have it right here. We did not even plan that. <laughs> not at all. So the successful speaker uh, yeah. just came in. We both got it. Grant Baldwin's new book. And I've heard from multiple people that it is amazing. And it's funny. I got the book. I took the picture, posted it on social media, went into Kindle and I went into audio, uh, Audible and I want the audio, audio version, right? Like for me, yeah. like I am a consumer of podcasts. I'm a consumer of audio content. And so I love the physical copy of the book. I can flip through it. I can post it on social. But yeah. when I come to learning, consuming and moving my own needles forward, I definitely have to do that and make that happen. And so one of the things we have to kind of look at this as, and I'm, I'm curious, uh, Aaron, for you to, your take on this, is that is it in this digital space where we're providing this digital experience, when we say we're going to put it from the audience perspective, there is a level of expectation then. It is our job to to make the audience person not only be engaged, but stay, you know, stay you know, accountable. And it's interesting because both of us sell kind of an accountability upsell after you hire us. Yep. No, no one, they, they've never asked me once in the history of my speaking, if I'm getting paid to speak for an hour as a keynote speaker, you know, setting the theme for the event, putting out the passion, not once that they said, can you make sure my people do what you say? 
They were like, hey, motivate them, provide them yeah. tactical information, make sure you're not you know, speaking over their heads, use relative, relevant uh, you know, examples, but never is the onus of it is your job to keep them engaged and coming yeah. back and finding value. And I think that's, that sometimes becomes a tendency in the digital space. And because that's so difficult, because the variables are so unique, I think that can sometimes be overwhelming. So if we looked at where we're at, as far as our digital presence. And I think this is also, you know, let's face it, a lot of events, even bureaus and agencies, they've taken a back seat to social media. They're taking a back seat to growing their yeah. email list. They only write blogs for SEO. We've all seen them. Every blog is like top 10 futurist speakers and it's just whoever 10 speakers are on the roster, right? Yeah. And, and it's funny that because never in the digital, or not never, a lot of this in the digital space isn't about the audience. Like it's like, we need to get the people that are hiring our people on stages so that then they can care about the audience. And now it needs to go the other way around. Like you need to yeah. care about the audience first and then we can put the right people, the right timing on stage. And so I'm curious if your thoughts there from the, you know, you've worked with events, not only from marketing, but breaking that down. Our, our, our good friend, Mike Ganino just jumped in the room as well. Uh, one, of our, one of our closest buddies and uh, he actually we love part, Mike. Of a, part of the fun adventure that we went to Catalina Island, uh, all of us together. But if you look at this, like managing expectations and the onus of like, Let's, I think we should, we should worry a little bit less about having to hold the audience accountable and a little bit more on giving them a reason to continue to tune in and the option to consume something a little different for a little while and then come back to consume as we go. And I think that's kind of exciting. Yeah. Well, it's funny you brought up Mike Ganino. Um, you know, he is someone that I greatly admire. His stage skills are incredible. He's Amazing. a master storyteller. He's freaking hilarious. And one time we were working on a keynote and I was trying to ask him about, you know, how should I play something bigger, smaller? And he looked at me and he was like, Aaron, you have to look at the venue that you're in. Look at the room you're in. Look at the people, feel the vibe. And then you play bigger or smaller matching their mood. You work backwards from the audience. You reverse engineer your performance to what's happening in that moment. And I think it's a perfect example for your question of what is the venue? What are, what are the pain points? I mean, instead of just saying, well, I have my keynote and I'm going to push the damn button and deliver it. Well, how incredible. Now we have to think of different ways where we can prepare. I mean, we talked about one way of doing custom events for big brands would be to say, hey, in this time of change, in this new normal where people are being quarantined and having to work from home and perhaps people that have been used to a nine to five cubicle in person with my notebook and my, my pen and pencil in the meeting at the, in the boardroom type of environment, now they're being forced to work maybe at home, maybe with their kids at home, depending on how crazy this thing gets for hopefully just a short period of time. There's all these new factors. There's a lot of fear, a lot of confusion. And so if you, if you talk to your event planners and your meeting planners and your brands and you say, in this new normal, in this time of transition, what are the top five to 10 fears or challenges that you're facing? And then you create the experience working backwards from that. And you, you take what you know, because essentially people are bringing us on stage, Brian, and they're buying our books and they're listening to things like this because they want to know the experience that we have in our brains from either a great win or a great loss and what they can do to either avoid the loss or mimic a similar win. Right. And so if you think about the fact that, that whether it's a bureau, they're basically, they're not brokering our onstage performance. They're brokering our brains. If bureaus are brokering our brains. And as, as well as our social media audience, everyone wants to know what your thoughts are in an exciting, an educational, inspirational, motivational way. And when you think about bringing that to people, whether you are using whatever platform, does not matter what platform, the truth is the same. We have to figure out 
ways that our audiences are going to lean forward and not go to Facebook and goof off when we go longer than three, four, five minutes. Or maybe we have to get better at storytelling or better interactivity or create a format where they can follow along. I mean, there's a reason why SportsCenter is so successful because it has the little thing on the left-hand side where every minute, two minutes, five minutes, you can see where you are in line of that agenda. I mean, if you're speaking and you're doing an online event, like why are there not 10 blocks that let me know where I am in this process? It's not just hanging on forever with a super distracting device luring me to get my endorphin hit from Instagram. Yeah, so you know, there's I like think, little you things. You know, know what's do. funny? You, you brought that up and uh, uh, Mike said that, uh, you know, the audience is getting less and less responses to how, you know, here's one message delivered one way from stage. And it's funny, I, one of my favorite shows is First Take. It's on in the morning on ESP, ESPN. And I can tell you like, you know, Sports Center got boring for me, right? And, I, and that's in the digital way, right? But like there's so many things going on. And First Take is hosted by um, Greeny from Mike and Green, uh, the, the Mike and Mike show. And it's so interesting because before, and I, and I kind of equivalent, I didn't think of this until you were going that, I equivalent this to like the event space, right? Before they would have three guests join the host. And no matter what the topic was, these three guests added value to the topic. Yep. Now on first take, every single segment, they'll be like, okay, hey, we're talking about baseball and they have baseball. They will pan out and they do the little B-roll to transition. When they come back to the table, there are three different people. They don't ever reintroduce them. They'll be like, oh, you know, hey, Jay Williams, you know, what are your thoughts here on NBA? They will segment back out. They'll come back in and say, okay, so now that we're talking UFC and we have the flight master here, where does he go, right? And I, so when I was thinking that, and I, and I saw uh, my good friend uh, Ashley jumped in here as well, you know, what about the opportunity to, you know, I did a, a, a talk last week, and it was the furthest outside the box I had kind of got in the stage, is that I really wanted to speak at this event a second time, and they were like, well, we would love to have a different uh, conversation, so I did a 30-minute keynote, and then I brought up three millennials that were part of the, of the brands that were part of the event. And I moderated a panel directly on stage. I didn't even end the keynote. It was like, all right, now let's validate or ask questions about what I'm doing. Man, I tell you what, like the audience afterwards was like, Brian, you got me inspired and exciting, but it wasn't until I heard it from people that I, that are like the people, like, I remember she was like, well, you know, I have to think about the seller's voice. And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, Oh yeah, the way that she used seller in that way was not the way that I did, right? Like just because yeah. like she's in that, you know, in that environment. Language, yeah. And it, it was amazing, right? And they weren't experts. And so in this digital space, the opportunity to bring in influencers, analysts, the opportunity to bring in talent, the opportunity, like panels are only boring because of bad moderators, but we almost in this environment, you can facilitate with great you know, great speakers, you can great, yeah. you know, even great hosts and bring in so many different voices. And the other piece of this is, Imagine the opportunities at the end product. I know we haven't talked the end product yet, but yeah. the opportunity to put things into audio form and it can be available on a smart speaker for someone to tune in for you know a two minute you know bite of an entire day conference year yeah. round. I yeah. mean, we, we know how it works. If you go to an event or you experience an event or you get to know an event organizer and they provide you value, you will spend the money and prioritize that event over everything else. And mm -hmm. I believe those are the most endless opportunities that we can embrace. 100%. I mean, well said. And I want to back up to what you just said. What you were essentially explaining was that there is a big opportunity with these digital, online, virtual. They're not webinars. They're not online courses. Like we need a new name for them. Like we need a, a name for what is a today immersive experience that involves a screen. It's like a screen experience, but it's not a webinar. It's not a me talking at you. What you're talking about is that maybe the way this is going to evolve is it's going to evolve away from this, you know, sage on the stage to more of a guide on the side, right? right? So of some 
one that is coming up for five minutes and saying, here's a story of what I learned in my, in my experience. Here was my takeaway. Here's my challenge. And then to your point, why can't we bring in who are the top five to 10 people inside your organization that when they talk, people listen. Yep. Let's pull up, let's pull up homeboy from accounting. Let's pull up homegirl from marketing. Who are the tastemakers inside the organization that they can say, okay, that just triggered something for me. And now what you're doing is in a traditional event, people are taking their notes, right? And they're having their insights and they're, they're highlighting their moments. Now that moment in a traditional keynote, they're bringing that to light. And people are, are then spitballing off of that. And you don't even know the types of dialogues and conversations that you might be able to spur within an organization by changing up this format of not talking straight through for 45, 60, 90, or 20. So um, I, I think, you know, yeah. it's funny when you said that, one of the things that also dawned on me, and I love some of the comments that, you know, like, you know, on the idea of, you know, creating like a talk show format. I know you brought that up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even uh, someone was talking about streaming to multiple platforms. And I was always yeah. a big proponent on there. You have to have a reason for doing so. And the reason can't be just because the, the capability exists. Like that's the worst reason and that, you know, that exists, but there's also like something that, that you said where, you know, if we think about it from the event world, I think we both, we've all been hired for the unconference. That's not very unconference. Um, we've, we've all been told this is the most interactive crowd in the world. And you had like, you have the microphones all set up or you, you take the box and you're toss, tossing the box around. Well, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, all of those things are forcing a, a new way of communicating in an old school format. Yep. Now we have a new school format where we can leverage these idea of unconference, allowing them to vote in the morning on what they would like to see in the afternoon. You have a stable of people that are available in the afternoon and your audience now actually can truly unconference this conference, right? Like the, the, those possibilities and those pieces are there, the ability to connect the value in there. And, yep. and I will also say, That's and you so brought this good. up a little bit earlier, it's so important to not think of this this new opportunity, especially because the, the, if the offline events don't exist, one of the things we have to think about is we're not replacing the offline event. I don't even like calling it a virtual conference because then we're in, insinuating the fact that we're taking a conference from like, and we're just like virtualizing it. I want us to think about it and say, the value that we provide, like we should be looking at our events and saying like, for our sponsors, if they had to say the five things that they must get out of the event for them to feel it was successful, this is it. For our mm-hmm. attendees, these are the five things that they want. For our speakers, yeah. these are the five things. And then you should take those five things and say, how the hell do we make it an entertaining how product? Do we, yeah. How and do we engineer an experience? Form? Yes. Engineer and, an experience in a new venue. And, 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 and the, it's the, not the, a stage, it's a screen. That's it. it. Is. And the, the opportunity a, yeah. to fake it or to shortcut it is way more here in the digital space than it is everywhere else. It's why people pitch that there's is a live webinar when they know darn well it's the same one, the video they've done for every yeah, year. Yeah. I, will, I will call those people out every single day, so don't expose that to me because that <laughs> I'm, I'm a preacher of transparency, Ruthless. but I'm also a big believer in when there's no reason for you not to say it was a recorded webinar, right? And, and you have a, a, you know, a Q&A, live Q&A afterwards. People are okay if the content that they can't even interact with in the first place isn't there, but like that transparency is important. And I think this is something that I, I want to put out there. You know, Live streaming has been my thing. I've tried, I pressed the damn button. I've done over 3,000 things. I was on Meerkat, on Blab. Those platforms don't exist. Don't worry about Googling them. Um, Periscope, Facebook Live. I did, you know, over 300 shows on Google Hangouts. Actually, Tim Crawford, who's watching this right now, and Vincent Orlick, who's watching this right now, both were guests on my Google Plus show way back when, right? And when I, when oh, I think Google about- Plus. 
It's kind of cool. Yeah, oh, I know. I tell you what, that Google Hangout integration with chat still, you know, it, it, let's face it, we, it took us an hour to get this show started. But one of the things that I was thinking about there was that when you're starting on this new arena, you know, let's say new platform, like live video, yeah. you know, like pr- pressing the button, it's, this is the thing I, I still tell people, and I, it still kind of exists. The live audience, for the most part, and I would say 90%, is the most forgiving audience in the world. Because if you are willing to say, hey, this is my first live stream. Hey, I'm trying something new. There are so many people that are willing to help. Like even in our stream right now, they're like, one, someone commented, Brian, there's a little lag. Here's three things you can do next time, right? Like, and so for, for the event planner that's out there, if there's ever a time for you to try a new format, when you have an audience and you have people that are in corporate jobs or wherever they're at, they're just like, South by Southwest has been a, uh, an event that I've gone to seven of the last eight years. Both of my, my partners that I was going there with this year backed out. I will not be there. To me, that's a big hole in, uh, in not only the connections, but the people and the, you know, a lot of the things. Like I left an event on Friday or on, on, on Tuesday, gave people a hug and said, see you in Chicago for Oracle Modern Experience in two weeks. I woke up this morning and it was canceled, right? Canceled, so like yeah. there's, there's a, there's a, this is where I feel it's so beautiful is that before we were like trying to supplement uh, digital and we couldn't figure out where it all worked and prioritizing it, this is your opportunity to try things. Yep. And I can promise if you're willing to be transparent and say why you're trying it and putting the audience first, no one, and the people that are going to complain, they're complainers anyhow. Like the rest of everyone is yeah. really going to enable and empower you to find new ways. I think so too. So Brian, I mean, what would be the one thing that you would say event planners should be thinking about the minute after they decide to cancel? What would you say would be, and this is your podcast and I'm interviewing you now, but um, this. this is why we work but, all together. <laughs> but I mean, so let's say, so you have all these you know, IBM canceled, Oracle canceled, all these cancellations, you know, and now they're saying to themselves, okay, I'm going to do a digital virtual event. And what we're hearing is that that means maybe not tapping different minds outside of the organization. They're keeping things internal. Is that a fear of they don't really feel comfortable yet with what an event that's not in a convention center really looks like? I mean, what, if, if you were an event planner right now, what would be the first question you'd be asking yourself after you decided to do a cancellation? Yeah, and I love how you set that up because one of the events canceled this morning on me and they sent the email and said, don't worry, we are still going virtual. We're still going online. Right. And they said, some of the speakers will change. And when you click on the link to sign up for the, what they're calling online event, let's face it, it's a webinar. Um, it's mm-hmm. only four executive employees of their company. All of the eight of us that were from outside third-party validation, unique experiences, none of the eight of us are on that list. And I can, my first impression was not bitter for me as a speaker. Yeah. It was imagining the disappointment of someone yeah. that was going to an event, excited to go to an event, realizing, oh, I, I'm going to miss out on the networking, miss out about traveling to a new city. Maybe I'll miss out on new food. Maybe I just need to miss out on escaping the day-to-day grind that exists in my, in my life. And then you click on something like that and you're like, Man, it's, and now it's the same guys and gals I hear every so, single day at work. Yeah. So what, one of the things Ugh. I think the the first thing we should think about as an event you know planner that's canceling is not about like what is the like end game of the big picture because it's gonna take yeah. a little bit of time to formulate. And I you know I talk about digital empathy a lot, right? Your your idea is you have to understand that you have to be able to relate to the feelings of that audience member, understanding their their day to day life. What can you provide them? Not like something like sign up and get their email list because, yeah. you know, like let's face it, that's down the road. But what is something you can provide them? Maybe you're like, you reach out to, you know, uh, uh, one of the popular podcasters in your space 
and you do like a fun episode and you just put it out to the audience or maybe you have some fun where you're like, hey guys, we've never done this, but like our CEO is going to do a Q&A on Instagram Live. Um, he's going to open any questions you have. I know you guys are disappointed you can come to the event, but you probably would have never been able to ask him a question anyhow. So right. now you're going to get this like, like and if you do that from the start, I think you're going to start to get some feedback from people that say, you know, I would love if you guys would offer this or the thing I was looking forward to is this. And I think the second part of that question yeah. before I spin one back to you yeah. is you also have to think about all the things that go on around the event that isn't the, the, con- you know, the consumption is like from a sponsors. And, and this is where my mind went earlier today when you and I were talking was like from those that sponsor the event, like they're sponsoring the met- event, putting money up for whatever the reason may be that they have a reason or yep. multiple reasons. They have teams of people that are going there that probably have their quotas attached to the fact that they've gone to these events and they can predict what their total amount of leads. A lot of, you know, from a marketer, this is where you've already planned your budget. You probably have already spent and have the stuff printed for a lot of these events. So one of the things I think as an event, we, we not only should we put this in the audience perspective, but going to your sponsors and being like, Hey, the, this cancellation of the, no one's going to, I mean, let's face it. We're, we're all doing this for, for, or let's, let's hope everyone's doing it for the safety of attendees and those that are around. Like Absolutely. I, I, I won't accuse anything that's not, but then we're like, look at those sponsors and be like, okay, where, where are you looking at focusing your attention? Right? Like it's not all on the event plan. Like, and, and we talked about this, like one of the things yeah. that Aaron and I want to do is we want to co-produce things together, right? Like we want to take what we're talking about here and help facilitate it. And part of it is because that's what, great event planners already do. And so I think it's a, it's a mindset of how can I help that? It's not even FOMO. It's the disappointment. It's the sadness and you can't blame anyone. And if anyone knows like emotional, the way emotions work is that if you're disappointed and there's no one to blame, but a virus that's going around, yeah. you kind of sit in this like hole of empty. And so yeah. I'm curious from your side, as we kind of wrap a bow on this episode, and I, and I love that we have a lot of, we have so many great people that are tuning in. Thank you guys uh, for tuning into the show. Mike's that we're playing in his office. Um, so if Phil's listening, hi, Phil. Um, but uh, for, for you, when we were thinking about this, you know, you were doing event marketing. You also talk about digital persuasion. You work with a lot of B2B brands, but you also work with um, leaders in the MLM space and some really fun ways, which is yeah. part of the collaboration that we're working at. Part of the, the thing with digital sometimes is that we either want all production value or we want it all makeshift, right? Like we want it like in my home office here, yeah. um, which is where I like work on a day-to-day basis and I stand my desk up and have my studio or we want to you know, add a, a studio. And so if you were yeah. looking at it from the, from the idea of how can they manage their own expectations as well as the expectations of maybe leadership, as we all know right now, as much as speakers are scrambling, every event planner is going if I have no events, what are they judging my value on and my job? How yeah. would you help them kind of ad- address that and move it forward in, in, in this kind of forced change? That- well, they're going to have these budgets. And if they don't spend these budgets this year um, and, and bottom line is not impacted, let's say they cancel their convention. But right now, most people are postponing it for the, for the fall, right? And ideally, hopefully... We get this thing under control and life goes back to a new version of normal by summer or fall. That's the ideal, right? That's the positive 
way of looking at it. Um, but if they if they end up, you know, year over year and and looking at their budgets and not spending and trying to make decisions and they realize that they're sitting here justifying not just, like you said, making it happen for attendees, making it happen for leadership, making it happen, but they're also justifying that their job is important and has a major impact on the bottom line. And so if I were an event planner right now and I've worked with many phenomenal event professionals and, and the reason they're in this space is because they're so calm and cool and collected under fire and may I mean, I've seen things like their, their hair is on fire, they're like those ducks that their feet below the surface are kicking like crazy, and then they're just cruising on top. And so, I mean, yes, they can be very type A with the spreadsheets and the budgets, but that's why they're so darn good at what they do. And so the thing is, if you're an event planner listening to this, you're ready for this. You're prepared for this and you do know what to do because what you're going to do is you're going to take that production schedule, that three-day, two-day, five-day game plan, and you're going to look at all the wow moments that you were orchestrating and engineering. And you're going to ask yourself with your marketing team or whoever you like to brainstorm with, you're going to say, we had this wow moment and that wow moment and that one. What is possible? How can we evolve this? How can we pivot this? How can we reinvent this to deliver entertainment, education, and inspiration? Because today, with everyone cutting the cord and being on Netflix and spending so much time on social media, we are ready to experience emotions. I mean, who hasn't cried at one of those Facebook videos that has 10 billion views of the mother and the daughter in the place? I mean, emotion is possible. You can shatter through the screen and make it happen. We just have to be brave enough to think a little differently and get excited about the possibilities. So I can't wait to see what the industry's smartest meeting planners and most adaptable speakers come up with because I think it's a really exciting time. It is an exciting time and it's an exciting opportunity in a world full of chaos and change, right? In the United States, we're, we have an election coming up that's going to you know, make the country more divisive than ever. Uh, the virus is, you know, in a weird way, a distraction from that for many of us. But there is also this idea, like you said, not only were we prepared for it, but there is this, you know, I, I presented this research, you know, you have to check out the Edelman uh, Trust uh, barometer report that came out. They did a 20 years of trust. And like the number one thing over the last 20 years that has grown stronger between everyone in the world is we want to belong. We want to feel a part of something, every yeah. single person. And I love digital. I love social media. Uh, I love my speaker life, but I, I, I spent a lot of time worrying about the fact that our society gets a little bit more lonely um, right now than it was in the past. And so we're more connected, more dialed in, yet we're more lonely. And maybe that's even a, a, an a approach to this is that and I will put this out there. It's kind of my bold prediction. I'll let you finish. I'll let you wrap the show since you interviewed me. And, you know, that's kind of how we work really well together. So I'll let you wrap up <laughs> at the end. But I'll make the bold prediction that it doesn't have to be mind-blowing. It doesn't have to spend a whole bunch of money on platforms. I believe the platforms right now are, um, if they're smart, they're thinking about how, what, what new ways can I open end my platforms to give these meeting planners opportunities, not how can I like just keep my prices the same because I'm going to have more demand. Cause I can tell you uh, if you're forcing, uh, you know, creative event planners into a stale webinar morphed, you know, uh, platform, um, the product's going to be horrible and nothing's going to come out of it. But I'll make this prediction that anyone that looks at it from the audience first perspective, focuses on that ability to you know, be empathetic towards your audience, your community, even the world we're living in. Maybe the timing of the event is very spread out and on demand because you know your audience is dealing with family members that are you know, sick or in the, you know, in the areas that are in quarantine, whatever it may be. But I'll make the prediction that anyone that is willing to go value first, audience first this year, we've 
whenever the next event is offline, it'll be your best numbers of the year. It'll yeah. be people that will say thank you when they come to the event. And I will also say this. I've, I've done a couple of events where they ask, I send the video to the entire attendees first that, that they, they watch this YouTube video. And then I go up and kind of do part two. There is nothing more exciting than that because people, not only are they leaning in, but they want more. And so I challenge the, the us as speakers, us as yeah. event organizers, us that are in this, even us as attendees, if yeah. there are, there are, consu- there are things that you consume that are so dynamically, you know, engaging that you, that you are excited about them, share them with event organizers and speakers as yeah. things that you would love to see, because we sure as hell don't know everything, but I do believe you know, putting empathy first, understanding this important of our audience, next year's event will be better than ever. And yeah. we're going to learn from this. So I'll let you wrap a bow on this, uh, this episode. Well, Brian, I would just say retweet everything you just said. And on top of that, if you are listening to this and you're feeling anxious and worried, that's totally fair and embrace that. Let those feelings happen. Don't judge yourself for freaking out if you're an event planner. Don't judge yourself for worrying about the cancellations. You know, the good news is, as Brian said, it's been a very divisive, crazy time. And in a really strange, unfortunate way, this is a time for us to realize that we're all in this together and that each one of us have a unique value that we can bring to the scenario. If you're a speaker and your jam is you are hilarious, you are stand-up funny, you know, paging Jay Bear and Scott Stratton, you know, or if you are just the absolute smartest person at untangling the craziest things in life, you know, the Tams and Websters of the world, you know, or you just light up a room, make everyone smile, Neen James, Mike Canino, like, you know, these people that have this special, unique talent, How can you double down on that? Identify that. And just because you don't have it all figured out, no worries. You have something figured out. What is it? And how can you lean so hard into it in a time where we need it so much? And so I would just encourage everyone to identify that, believe in it, lean into it. And I can't wait to see what everyone does because this is, this is where we get to walk the walk of change and innovation. And, and I believe we can do it. So I look forward to seeing what everyone decides to do. Future is bright and we are excited for it. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the FOMO Fans Podcast. I appreciate you guys. I love you. I've been teasing out the new uh, new podcast for like what I feel like a month and a half. I can promise you I've been investing in better production, better understanding because I want to have amazing guests like Aaron on there and provide deep value that is long-term that isn't just people tuning in here and there but really you know long-term uh you know community building and so thank you guys for tuning in thank you for listening to this show make it a great day our thoughts go out to all those impacted by coronavirus i'm heading to nashville this week uh the tornado that went through um uh nashville um Mm -hmm. lots of things going on in our world today and if we each do a little bit more to care about others and put our you know put ourselves out there and help those that are in need together we'll make the world a better place Till next time. Cheers, my friend.